Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the don't nearly view system, deal. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. And now, a Manscaped product alert. You asked for it and they listened. Our friends at Manscaped just brought the ultra-smooth package to Europe. Everyone knows by now that the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best electric shave for your balls. But if you're looking for a closer shave or prefer to go completely bare down there, then the Ultra Smooth Package is the perfect set. It's time to shave that bush of yours and get right to the roots by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code SPURS20. SPURS20. This show is brought to you by Green King, your home of pub sport. With over 900 sports pubs across the country, Green King is where the fans go, showing every broadcast game for Spurs. Head down to your nearest pub and you can enjoy every live sporting event from BT and Sky Sports on tap. Download the Green King season ticket app. You can receive a free drink when you register and 10% off a great range of drinks one hour before, during and after any match. Head to the App Store and search Season Ticket to download the app. When registering, if you use the promotion code SPURS, that's SPURS in all caps, as a listener of the show, you'll get an additional £5 off when you spend £15 on drinks. Green King, it's where the fans go, your home of pub sport. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Gritton and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football. Whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news every weekday lunchtime on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for the Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hello everybody around the world, Spurs fans. Welcome to another Spurs show. My name is Theo Delaney. I'm sitting here in North London, full of excited and slightly uh, trepidatious anticipation for very obvious reasons, which we will definitely come on to. I've got an absolutely first-class panel, as befits a week in which uh, we await the North London derby. 
Broadcasting legend is back with us, Russ Williams. How are you, Russ? Very good, Theo. Hello to everyone listening. Lovely to be here. I was just saying to the guys before we started the show, I don't think I've been on for a season. So it's lovely, lovely to be back. Well, it's good to have you I'm back. I'm sure mate. it was an oversight. <laughs> it's an o- I'll be talking to our booking agent. His name's Mike Lee. I'll be oh, yes, I know him, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'll have a word with him about that. Also <laughs> returning, the great Abby Summers is here. How are you, Abby? I'm all right. How are you? I think the same as Russ, actually. I haven't been on for a very long time. That's well, the actual... Like, <laughs> I, I know. I mean, to, in fairness, I, I've been quite busy, but I'm very happy to be back. So well, I'm delighted to see you, Abby. My, fa- my favourite Spurs pod. I've always, I'm always oh. listening, even if I'm not on. You say all the right things. I know. And, <laughs> and now, from two legends of the Spurs show, we go to a debutante making his first appearance... Media maestro, Andrew Wilson. How are you, Andrew? I am radiant, Theo. Thank you very much. <laughs> so pleased to get you. It's absolutely a, a huge oversight that you haven't been on before as well. Just a, It's absolute chaos, isn't it? I mean... Well, we're all busy people, aren't we? You know, diaries, people. diaries. Uh, my people speak to your people, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's so difficult to find that, find that available slot. But we found one. And here you are. And because it's your first time, as you well know, I have to ask you the first timer's question, which was, what was your first ever uh, Spurs game? Uh, well, thank you very much, Theo. Um, my, actually, my, before I say my first ever game, my first ever visit to White Hart Lane was in summer 1988. You may not believe this now, but they if you wanted to do a tour of White Hart Lane, they used to do it for free back in the day. They never right. charged for it. So I so the first time I ever went, I was nine years old uh, for my birthday, my ninth birthday, I went um for a summer tour. And it was when the shelf, they were just starting to rebuild the shelf. So the shelf was there. It was an amazing experience. And they just built there's a little wooden hut that would look like in the middle of the shelf side. Um, which was obviously the first corporate box that was going in. Obviously, being nine years old, I had no idea that that was going to be a thing and the transformation that was going to occur. So when I went to my first ever game, which was the 25th of November, 1989, Tottenham against Derby, I was just mesmerised by this entire stand that I was expecting to see had completely disappeared and completely transformed into what then became, you know, the stand. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, the game itself was Spurs 1, Derby County 2, Paul Stewart scored after about four minutes, uh, put Spurs 1-0 up. But then Dean Saunders, who was a bit of a thorn in our side um, on several uh, occasions, scored two goals in the second half. Uh, But my uh, overriding memory of the game was that the person who took me wasn't really a football fan. And so with 10 minutes to go, he went... Should we beat the traffic? Oh, man. oh God. I had no worse. idea. Obviously being a football, uh, you know, being 10 years old, my first kind of big game, I had no idea this was a thing that people would do, would be to leave the game. I was like, well, and obviously I was 10 years old. I couldn't say, oh, no, I want to stay to the end. So, um, yeah, I got dragged out with 10 minutes to go. And as we left, there was like a bit of a cheer. And so we thought, oh, my God, has, has there been a goal? We sort of rushed back to try and find out. There hadn't been. <laughs> but from then on, from that day forth, I said, I am never going to leave a game. Really? Early. And I never have. I mean, I was there when we lost 6-1 at home to Chelsea. Wow. 7-2 to Bayern. I mean, there's been plenty of games when after 60 minutes you go, this is going to be nil-nil. We might as well go home now. <laughs> but I always stay to the very end. So you will well, never that's... leave me. To see me leave a game early. 
Well, it's funny you mentioned that uh, Chelsea six one. That's the only one I ever st- I stormed out in an absolute. <laughs> I was completely in a state of high emotion, and uh, my companions I was with tried to stop me, but I was so upset. But apart from that, I'm with you. Never leave before the end. Definitely, you never not. know what's going to happen. You never do know what's going to happen. Well, uh, I want to speak to you a bit later in the show about your fantastic documentary, Welsh flavoured Tottenham documentary with Cliff Jones and Terry Medwin. But before we get to that, we we can't uh, avoid the massive matter of the North London derby that's coming up this weekend. In many ways, I mean, the last North London derby was huge. There was so much riding on it. Who knew that the next one would also be huge? Because we, we sit Arsenal at top of the table extraordinarily and we sit third and there's a there's a breakaway three at the moment with uh arsenal tottenham and manchester city and it looks like a real big six pointer in a way at the top of the table russ what you how what, what are you feeling you know you, you have a feeling don't you what's your feeling at this point in the week about this game well usually it's um trepidation but i i have to say um as long as Antonio Conte, he's not going to have long, actually, with the players, is he? But if he can get them to start in a slightly different way, aggressively, shut up the crowd, don't let them take the initiative, I'm pretty hopeful for us, actually, even though we've got a dreadful record there. Abby and Andrew and myself were talking before we started the podcast that it's never a place you really want to go, but... We are a team of men. We are a different proposition. They they have played well. Have they played anyone of significance? Not really. But they're a very young team. And this is a big game. Yeah. And um, it's a chance for one of us, them or us, to make a statement. And I'm, I'm hopeful that for once it will be us. I mean, you know, Son has to play. I'm oh, afraid, yeah. instead of yeah, yeah. Richarlison. I think we'd probably all agree on that. And and, and let's yeah. just go for it, yeah. you know, and make use of the squad that we've got. But I think it'll be pretty similar, uh, Richarlison out and Son in, and uh, pretty much as the the last game. Yeah. And, and, you know, Conte, I think, has to be very, very careful with his substitutions against Leicester. He did it really well. But, of course, as we know, against Sporting Lisbon, he was floundering around a little bit, mm. and we can't do that in this game. So I'm sure he's thought about it, and with a bit of luck, you know, we'll get our noses over the line. Will we take a draw? Then we all probably would, really. Yeah. Um, but it'd be lovely to win, obviously. Well, yeah, I mean, we've been away from home in two London derbies already this season against teams that tend to give us a really hard game, and yeah. we've come away with a draw. Chelsea, people said we were lucky, but I, I thought as much as anything, that was down to stickability and grit that yes. got us that point. Yeah. And, and there were elements of that that got us the point at West Ham as well, and those are grounds where we have... Yeah you know, not always prevailed over the years, but it's interesting you talk about the crowd. It's the crowd that will make, that makes these games so hard. And, yes. they, and our crowd blew them away in the last North London derby. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting you say they've got a young team because that means that they their have. crowd, the pressure from their crowd, it'll be support. But at the same time, it's kind of pressure and expectation. Abby, do you think yeah. we can exploit that in some way? I think we can, but I, I feel with Arsenal, like you have to just sometimes admit when they play well. Um, and I know we don't like to admit that. We'd all just rather pretend they're just shit all the time, but sometimes we can't. Um, and like Russ mentioned, it's a tough place to go. 
I think they would have definitely learned from last season the way they bottled it in the end. Um, you know, coming to White Hart Lane and being under that pressure, and the crowd, as you say, were magnificent that night. Um, and it was kind of like you know when we talk about the twelfth man, that's exactly what it was. But I think that Arsenal and Arsenal fans are going to be bang up for it. So even though that they are a young side, I think that they're going to have that backing um, from the crowd, and that will spur them on. My only concern. Um, with Spurs, really. It's just that we tend to start very slow uh, in the first half. And if you allow Arsenal that time and space on the ball and to get an early goal, I think it will be difficult for us. But at, at the minute, you know, I can't really complain because, yes, I, I have seen on Twitter people, you know, rumbling on about the style of play and they don't like it, etc. But, you know, we are unbeaten still in the league. Um, you know, still picking up points, turned a lot of those points that we had dropped last season already into wins or into draws, as you mentioned, um, you know, West Ham, Chelsea, to name a few. So I feel that it's one of those games where neither is going in with an upper hand. Usually there's usually one of us, which is like going into the derby in form and the other one isn't. And it's usually the other way around who wins it. But I'm like quite calm about this derby so far. I mean, I know it's only Monday. That could uh, that could change by Thursday or Friday. But I feel that this is quite an even an even game. And I think that it's yeah. really going to be one with the depth of the squad for me. Right, which could be good news for us because we do have a deep squad. Um, exactly. But, you know, Russ says, you know, that we've got to come out and take the game to them and seize the initiative early, go on the front foot so that that way you quiet in the crowd and don't let them you know, achieve confidence. But Andrew, I mean, the last t- couple of derbies we've gone there, uh, under Mourinho, we went there and basically didn't get out the tunnel before they they seized the game. And the same thing happened last year under Nuno. It was absolutely pathetic. And actually, the way that that Conti seems to send us out is to is to soak it up for the first 20 minutes, half hour, even at home sometimes. So I agree with Russ. I don't think we can afford to do that. We can't afford to, for them to seize the initiative. But do you think Conti will see it that way, Andrew? Yeah, I'm I'm with the guys here that um, we don't want to give any excuse for the Arsenal fans to get excited. I mean, they'll cheer a throw in. That's just what they're like. So we we need to be on the front foot from the beginning. But we know they're not going to do that. So I'm afraid we're going to have... I think we may have to sit in for a painful first 15, 20 minutes, soak up the pressure, try and quieten them down. Don't give them too many opportunities and you know try and nick a goal on the break which is obviously how we normally play it and you know looking back at games against you know the big three or four last season and this season we've done you know obviously man city last season um liverpool last season we have been able to soak that pressure up for the first 20 minutes half hour and nick a goal on the break and all of a sudden it's a completely different complexion to the game um I, I still worry about our full-backs, you know, well, wing-backs as they're meant to be. Um, I think that he's going to go with Royale at right wing-back as much as we'd like to see somebody else there. But he probably trusts him in a game like this defensively more than some of the others. Perisic got a bit exposed at right wing-back against Le- um, Leicester in the last game. I think he'll probably switch back to left wing-back. Still worry about him one-on-one um, against a good winger. Um, so it's it's going to be tricky, but I think, yeah, we just... Obviously, Ben Davis is out injured, um, so I think Longley's going to play. I think Longley could actually make a real difference. I mean, there's still plenty of time for Romero to uh, get injured on international duty for Argentina. I mean, that's a given, so um, we'll wait for Davison Sanchez to be incoming, I think. Well, 
Davison Sanchez played very well in the last derby. That's one thing. And actually has been playing generally very well under Conte, although he did make a cat. Terrible. Was that against Leicester, wasn't it, in the last game where he he made a series of terrible mistakes leading up to the the penalty that they got. But Russ, this business, every... It, it seems to be the recurring theme is this Emerson Royale thing. Over the years, managers, not just at Spurs, but uh, managers generally, always seem, very often at least, seem to have a player they pick where nobody else sees why they pick them. Yes. And a lot of people think Emerson Royale is that man at the moment at Tottenham. Where, where do you stand on Emerson Royale? Well, uh, I think he's improved, uh, mm. particularly defensively. I mean, when he first started playing for Spurs, um I thought he looked like a competition winner at times. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's definitely um, got a lot better defensively, I think. However, he isn't providing what we need, which is crosses into the box. I mean, that's where Perisic is so good, either foot. It's almost as if there's a sort of rabbit in the headlines when he's, you know, on the edge of the 18-yard box. He'll try and cross. You know, Matt Doherty, for example, who we know can also play in that position, he was brilliant for Wolves at doing that, but for mm. us it doesn't seem to work. It's it's like um, the crosses, we've, we've got a bit of an Indian sign, really, but yeah. I think you're absolutely right that he will go with him and um, because he does seem to trust him. And I think if we're fair and honest... In the games that we played this season in the Premier League, he hasn't he hasn't done that badly at all at the back. No, defending. it's just absolutely it's just the forward play, isn't it? And you, there's such a difficult position that because yeah, you need really to is. be a defend a proper defender. In other words, you are the fullback, but you also need to be a proper winger. I mean, even Perisic, like you said, Andrew, sometimes it's a worry when he's defending one on one against a good winger because he hasn't had a career as a defender. He's had a career as an attacker, but of course, when he's going forward in that position. I mean, he's great. As far as Doherty's concerned, Doherty started to play very well at second half of last season. And then he got that, then he got maimed at Aston Villa. And now he hasn't started at all this season, which has been odd because he's been on the bench all the time. He's hardly come on. I can barely remember him coming on at all. But was it a chicken and egg thing where he hasn't had the game time so you can't bring him on? Because he's now played for Ireland. He's played for Ireland. And I just wonder whether he comes more in the reckoning. What do you think, Abby? Um, I think it's interesting because he did look like he was kind of fancied by Conte. Yeah. Um, and if it wasn't really for that injury, maybe we'd have, we would have seen him more. But it's interesting you mentioned Royale um, and about, you know, him him featuring a lot. Because I had this discussion with someone last week and my theory on it is that in terms of defensively, I think as, as Russ touched on, he's actually not too bad defensively. So it's like only when he goes forward do you kind of panic a little bit because you know that he's not going to be able to put the ball in the box and, and deliver a decent cross. But I think when, in my opinion, what Conte looks at is our, is, is our back line. Um, and obviously Romero is a great, a great player. Dyer's improved dramatically. Longley's good as well. Davis, I, I'm a big fan of Ben Davis. I think he's pr- very, very reliable. But I think that he feels that when, you know, both fullbacks push forward, it leaves them very exposed. So I think by having Royale and you have Perisic, you know, kind of bombing forward and the one to put the crosses in, I just think it gives you a little bit more protection having Royale in the squad rather than someone else. So obviously he's not fancying Jed Spence at the moment. I think maybe, you know, he, he's been very open about, Maybe it wasn't his type of signing, Jed Spence. I think he's a great signing. Hopefully he'll, he'll have a long career with us and he'll blossom. But he's been open with Basuma saying he's not up to the kind of level that he, that he wants um, him, him to be at for, for a starting place. But 
I think that's why he goes with with, uh, with Emerson Royale. Um, and I think that we've, we've seen Conte do this a lot, you know, at Inter, at Chelsea. He's always had kind of one standout fullback in Hakimi or, you know, Azpilicueta in his prime, for example. And he's had another one which maybe wasn't as good. You know, someone like Ashley Young, who was kind of towards the end of his career, a little bit further along when he went to Inter. Same with Victor Moses, managed to turn him into, into that wing back. So it's not something that Conte isn't aware of or hasn't done before. And I'm I'm at this stage where I trust Conte 100%. They've given yeah. him the money to, to go out. Would I have liked him to go and buy a Hakimi star player? Absolutely. I think that would have been my first area that I would have addressed going and getting another fullback to match Perisic, someone a little bit younger. But you look around the leagues and you think, okay, who who's a fantastic fullback? You're thinking of the likes of Reese James, who is probably as maybe as good defensively as he is going forward. But you look mm. at Trent, Alexander-Arnold, great going forward, very big question marks over yeah. defensively. So it is quite a difficult position to fill. So if you can get one that delivers you the cross, I don't mind so much having someone that can drop back and kind of fill in that, like turn it into a back four, mm. really, when they bomb forward. I don't mind it so much. Yeah, I agree with you, Abby. I think what we need to do is play to Royale's strengths. And if, if we know that he can't deliver a cross... We need to get him in a position, a bit like the um, if you remember the corner that we scored from for the first goal against Leicester, where it was a one-two with Kulisewski, and he can whip that ball in with his left foot from the corner of the penalty area onto Kane's head at the far post. That's the kind of position, rather than relying on Royale to get the cross in, for him to be able to cut it back for Kulisewski or somebody else to try and put a cross in instead. And as you say, because Perisic, he can cross with both feet on the left-hand side, and that's yeah. such an asset yeah. to us. But like, we're not going to get that from Royal, so let's not try and make it a thing. Let's try and put him in a position where he can find Kulisewski to put those crosses in instead. Yeah. Mm. Okay, well, we'll come back to this game because obviously it is a huge thing uh, before the end of the show. But for now, let's just take a quick break. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. They both come in giftable boxes with savings up to $46 and free shipping for a limited time. Go to OSEAMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. For premium content, including a daily news show, ex-player interviews and original documentary series on Spurs, go to patreon.com forward slash Spurs show and support our show in the process. Our monthly London live shows return next month or indeed this month, because the next one is the September 28th uh, with Colin Calderwood. And then on October the 24th, we've got Jerry Armstrong. So if you go to season.spursshow.net, you can get season tickets for these events, which get you and a mate in for very reasonable rates. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and please leave us a nice review on iTunes. So the next show has Pete Hayne and Colin Caldwood, as I said, and that'll be out this coming Friday. So, Andrew, I wanted to ask you, as we flagged up at the beginning of the show, I want to ask you about this documentary you've been making with Cliff and Terry. Tell us all about it. Yeah. So, um, uh, 
I, I hasten to add that I, I haven't been making it. There's been some very clever people and some very talented people who've been making the documentary. Um, it's part of a series that ITV are making called Against All Odds. And this is, I think, episode number 10, and it's Wales and the World Cup. As we probably know, uh, Wales are qualified for the World Cup for the first time since 1958. And in 1958, there's quite a Spurs contingent. There was um, Cliff and uh, Cliff James and Terry Medwin, brought in Mel Hopkins who was still at Spurs at the time as well. And they had a brilliant team. They had the amazing John Charles, which if you ask Cliff or Terry, they will tell you, and they may be slightly biased, but mm. they will tell you he was the best player that they ever saw. They had yeah. Ivor Orchurch, who was also a great player, the golden the golden boy of um, Welsh football. And um, they made it to the World Cup. Although the actual the story, without giving too much away, the story of Wales getting to the World Cup is, is, is an epic in itself because they didn't actually qualify but no one would play Israel um, and so Israel qualified for the World Cup without having to play a game Hold on a minute, and what do you mean no one would no one would play Israel? But basically the African and Asian nations uh, boycotted okay. playing Israel Okay, and, That uh, must be the beginning of how Israel ended up in UEFA, presumably Well exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably, it probably goes back to that, so Israel didn't so Israel hadn't played anyone but qualified for the World Cup by default. Um, FIFA decided that wasn't fair. They had to play someone to show that they were worthy of being in the yeah. World Cup. So they basically took all the teams that came second in their group in the European um, qualifying competition and pulled a name out of the hat. Now, that name was Belgium. And Belgium decided that they did, they weren't worthy of qualifying for the World Cup either because they hadn't done so by right. So they refused to play Israel. Lying. So they did the draw again. And Wales then were drawn out of the hat. Wales probably thinking, we're not going to qualify for another 64 years. We better <laughs> take the opportunity while yeah. it's here. Yeah, they did play them, and they beat um, Israel over two legs. Terry, uh, sorry, Cliff Jones scored three goals across the two legs um, to get them to the World Cup. And then in the World Cup itself, um, Terry Medwin is still to this day the only Welshman to score a winning goal in a World Cup finals match uh, wow. for Wales. Um, they they drew all of their um, in, initial games. So they uh, ended up on level points with Hungary, and so they had to have a playoff. So they had to play Hungary twice. And in the second game, this wasn't quite the Hungary of four years before that was you know, the Magic Magyars and with Pushkas and everyone. Um, there were still a couple of those players, but most of them had, after the revolution had, had um, uh, fled and uh, ended up playing for other countries. But it was still a very strong Hungarian team. But Wales came through. Terry scored the winning goal. They won 2-1, and so they played a quarterfinal against Brazil. I'm guessing they lost. They uh, were rather uh, shaken up when the 17-year-old lad came on. Pele. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and dribbled past three of their players and pinged one from 25 years against the crossbar. Oh. Listen, don't tell us every don't tell us everything because we were, <laughs> we don't want any more we don't want too many spoilers, but suffice okay, to say it sounds amazing. And what was your role in it then? So I have, so I'm an agent by trade. I uh, yeah. represent various TV and sports people, and um, obviously Wales. Uh, I have half half my client list of Welsh, so that's how I got to know Cliff and Terry. And I'm doing this as kind of pro bono work. I was like, like these guys are legends. 
they should you know they should be paid for what they're doing and um for 40 50 years they've been doing interviews and not getting paid and i'm making sure that they are but okay I'll, i see I'll, so you're acting on you're 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 acting on their behalf on uh, a cliff and terry's yeah right? and, may, and right. so we 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 did a um we made sure they uh, got paid and they also did um, a lovely scene where they we brought them back together for the first time in ages and wow. it's a really lovely scene uh you know cliff um terry celebrated 90th birthday yeah i saw that uh, on yesterday. twitter yeah and uh, you know they're, they're both of an age but still very sprightly still um yeah. have lots of memories and uh, yeah. and of course lots of spurs memories and they're both big huge spurs fans to this day brilliant and when can we see it so on the 8th of november it's out on itv4 at nine o'clock and then it's repeated on itv1 after the news on the 9th of november so check it out Fantastic. Great, great one to get you in the mood for the World Cup. I'm really, it's exciting that Wales are in the World Cup, of course. And Spurs have great connections with Wales, not least Gareth Bale, who's, who will be playing, we hope, if he remains fit. So that's good. So let's return. And ben Davis and Joe Rodon. Let's not forget Davis and Rodon as well. Absolutely. Um, so let's return to to matters of North London. What do you, what's the first thing you think of when you think of, what's your, your product, your, your, sort of most prominent memories of the North London derby. Russ, where, where do you go to first when you think of playing the Arsenal? Um, God, there's been so many games over the years that haven't always gone our way. Uh, yeah. Two games that stick out for differing reasons. Obviously, Gaz's free kick at Wembley, yeah, uh, which was a wonderful sort of pin in their balloon of arrogance. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other one was when we went, it was a midweek game at uh, Highbury, would have been 96, 97. They were just about to play in the FA Cup final. And uh, it was more or less the last game of the season. And we beat oh, them yeah. 3-1. Yeah. Uh, the only, um, <clears throat> excuse me, slight uh, problem was that from the clock end balconies, um, some Arsenal fans were throwing coins at us, which uh, wasn't a nice welcome, but the no. result was fantastic. But I always remember um, when I walked into Highbury that night, the whole of the concourse was singing, I love Eric the Viking and Eric the Viking <laughs> loves me. <laughs> and uh, the beers were flowing and we won 3-1. So, Brilliant. Uh, uh, but, the, the, you know, they're, they're horrible games. Yeah, they are know. horrible. They're, they're just Horrible games. It's the it's the game that you cannot enjoy. You don't actually look forward to it. No, no. I mean, you just don't look forward to it, and then you don't enjoy it, and until and unless you have avoided defeat. And and the only time you can enjoy it during the game is if it looks almost certain you have avoided defeat, and you may be about to win. So that's why the last one was so good. We were three 0 up with an extra man with still forty minutes to go. So that was good. But Abby, what are your main memories of the derby? Uh, main memories for me, I'll give you a good one and a bad one. I mean, the one that always sticks out in my mind is the 4-4. Um, I think it was Aaron Lennon, wasn't it? Late winner. Um, and I remember I didn't go to the game. I remember I think I had a GCSE or something the next day or a mock and my mom wouldn't let me go. I remember just going mad at her, but she wouldn't let me go. Um, but that one always sticks in my head and like the jubilation of seeing that going. Um, and the 5-2, the second, and 5-2 loss unfortunately I'm being so angry that I kicked the chair in front of me and I broke two of my toes so my dad had to carry me out of there my dad had to carry me out of there 
And I was probably, I'm trying to think how many years ago that was. Was that 10, not 10, 10 years ago, maybe? Just like a little that. bit less. Nine, 10 years ago. So I was 18, 19 years old. I remember my dad piggyback carrying me back to Finsbury Park Station. Oh, my so, God. Oh, my yeah. God. Well, so that's not, a not serious a, injury. Not a great memory. Yeah. But it was just, you know, pure frustration and anger that we got done over again by two. I've, um, got, I've so, got a yeah. scar on my uh, my finger here. You can't see it because it's uh, it's Zoom, but and it is a tiny scar. But when I was about eighteen, we equalised. I think Danny Thomas equalised in the North London Derby, and I was at a massive family event in the Cotswolds, and there were like Lovely. about thirty. Yeah, there about thirty family all crowded around this telly because most of my family are Tottenham, and uh, I stood up and I punched vertically through the air in absolute relief and delight that Thomas has scored, and I hit without realising there was a there was a spherical light fitting uh, <laughs> frosted glass right above me, and it shattered over the entire family. I mean, like tiny shards of glass throughout the room and blood spurting from my hand. It was it was a terrible, ugly incident. But I, I look fondly on the scar because I think it's a sort of a, a scar. A, a battle, happy one. The battle scar. I can't even remember the final <laughs> score. I think it might have been one all. What about you, Andrew? Well, I don't have any uh, battle-hardened injuries to uh, report from North London derbies, but um, the one, well, the first one that really sticks out was the 91 semi-final, and not the Gaza goal. The one that got me was the second goal, which the, obviously the, the first goal, Gaz's free kick, was yeah, just a was moment. The, was of the quality individual, goal, yeah. Individual genius. Yeah. But the second goal, if you remember, you know, Arsenal running away with the league, they were going for the double, yeah, yeah. you know, no one gave us a chance. And we absolutely played them off the park for the first 10 minutes. And the second yeah. goal was such an amazing team goal. Yeah, we yeah. parked around them, Lineker at the far post tapped it in. And I lost all control of my bodily functions. <laughs> literally. Oh, my God. Know. This is a bit too much information <laughs> yeah. now. But I literally didn't know. What, I, I've never, I've almost never had that same feeling before or since. I didn't know what to I was like. Delighted to hear it. Uh, yeah. Did not know what to do with myself. I was, it was just extraordinary. Um, hopefully, the, hopefully the same reaction this weekend then. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. Uh, funny enough, I always think of the third goal in that game. It's, it's a funny thing. Obviously, the, like you said, the first goal is the iconic one, but it's the third goal where, you, again, where you finally believed because mm. they were so tough, Arsenal, and they equalised for half-time, didn't they? And you're thinking, oh, yeah. shit, this is only going one way. And then when Lineker sco scored that third, I mean, I remember hyperventilating and running to the front in a state, I mean, state of high hysteria. But when he used Sam ways without using him. As, yes, uh, as Barry Davis said, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, the bitterest and the sweetest of memories, and that's because, of course, it is the one we want to win the most and that we hate losing the most, and that, of course, applies to them as well. So that's what we're, that's what we're going to have to face up to this weekend. Um, before we go, I am duty bound to ask you all to make predictions for this game. I know it's I know it's a horrible task. I'm going to start with you, Russ. Well, um, I hope Antonio goes three five two, a different yeah lineup because yeah. I do think that Hoiberg and Bentoncourt against some of those younger legs are going to struggle. Now, yeah. even if it means you put Kulusevski, not Richarlison, in midfield. Mm. but stop Harry Kane coming back so deep mm -hmm. and get him threatening the goal because they'll be terrified of him. Yeah. And they should be because yeah. uh, he, him and Son, they are the key 
uh, to us winning this game. And I, once I just think midfield is is tricky, but the coach knows best. Uh, yeah. So we'll see what he does. I mean, he can revert as we yeah, know yeah, with course, substitutes. Yeah, yeah. So what's if, the score? I was. Um, it could be one-one. Uh, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Abby. Um, I agree with Russ in uh, in terms of the midfield. I feel like they could do with some extra legs in there. Um, but I feel that Conte very rarely deviates from um, his preferred formation. Yeah. Um, I'm leaning to a two-two, but like part of me wants to say like a three-two Spurs, but I won't be that optimistic. I'll go two-two. Andrew. It's got to be me for the win then, hasn't it? I've got to go for a, uh, a Spurs 2-1 win. I think it's not going to be straightforward. I, I, like the rest of the guys, I think he's going to go 3-4-3, even though everybody else watching is going to say, when we played uh, five in midfield against Leicester, we'd looked a completely different team with yeah. um, uh, Kane and Son doing their business up front. But yeah. um, he's, he, he just doesn't play with centre midfielders. That's just not the way he plays. He lets yeah. them play around us, but we sit deep, we'll hit them on the break. And uh, I think that's how it's going to go. Before we go, Theo, I, I'm a little bit of sycophancy, if I may. Um, can I just say that what you and Mike have done over the years with um, some of the the interviews you've done with some of the Spurs legends is a real treasure trove and actually a really vital yeah. oral history of Tottenham Hotspur. And I think that even you know you get stories out of players that obviously they don't put in books or they don't you don't get in the official you know, compendium of Tottenham Hotspur. Um, and I think that's a really vital service that you've done to Spurs fans and to football historians generally. And I want to give you a round of applause for that. Oh, thank Absolutely. you. That's really kind. I appreciate that. That's really, really kind of you. And on that note, it seems like a, it seems a good time to bring proceedings <laughs> to a close. And I'm so buoyed. I'm so buoyed by those words. I'm going to predict 2-0 to Spurs. Yes, sir. <laughs> man. Russ, Abby, Andrew, Hopefully thank you're you. right. Thank you all so much for coming. All that Thank remains you. for me to say on this big Thank week you. is, go are you Spurs? Go are you Spurs? If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.